0: Pray about everything, right? Hey, I'm so glad you're here for week four of our pray series, pray first series. And um, before we get too far into this, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going to happen next week. I want to make sure that you're here next week because we'll call next week uh, Vision Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about what we believe God wants to do at Life Point Church in 2017. And you're going to hear from myself and some other key leaders in our church about what we feel like God is doing amongst his people. Amen? That's a good thing. So make sure that you're here next week. And then the following week, that would be February 12th, because next week is February 5th, and something cool is happening next week. What is that that's happening next week? (laughs) No (laughs) Lifetime Movies. Rise up. Come on, somebody. It's going to be fun. All right, so this is week four of Pray First, and so I want to encourage you to... um, Here's what I don't want you to do today. I don't want you to um, just assume that you've heard all of the pray stuff. Some of you have been in church all your life, and you've heard... I'm not going to tell you anything new today. I'm not going to tell you anything you hadn't heard before. But I I just want you to approach today's service with an open heart and an open mind. Because I believe God wants to speak something unique and powerful into your life about, as we finish up this praise series. Uh, our, our key scripture for the entire series has been Jeremiah 33.3. 3. If you don't memorize any other scripture in your whole lifetime, here's a good one. Here's a good one. The Bible says, call to me and I will answer you. That is the greatest distinctive that christianity holds above every other religion on the planet we have a god who not only hears us but responds is that good news today call to me and i will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know week one just a quick review we said that prayer should be our first response not our last resort can i tell you a funny story about that well i'm going to anyway so um as you as you're aware we had a wedding last week and so uh my responsibility at the end of the whole deal was to get Mikey's laptop and take it home with me because he had something else he wanted to do. I wasn't sure what was going on there, but, <clears throat> but so I, grabbed, I was supposed to grab his laptop. Well, Monday, Monday, two days later, I'm, I'm actually in here breaking down the um, baptism pool from last week, and it just dawned on me that I did not grab Mikey's laptop. So I started to freak out a little bit. And so um, Eli- Ezekiel was kind of our DJ there. And I-, I looked at him and I said, Don't touch the laptop. I'm taking it home with me. So I was hoping that he was rebellious and did it anyway. And I called him and I called Stacy. And, and Stacy said, Pray first. <laughs> I went, Okay. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And, I, uh, and we, we said this What happens when we pray? Listen, heaven hears us when we pray. Stop, just stop a minute. Heaven hears you when you pray. Heaven pays attention and God intervenes. What I said was better than what you said back. Heaven hears you. Heaven pays attention to your prayer and God intervenes. Yes. Yes. Then week two, we talked about powerful prayer. We said that powerful prayer is a result of faith in the God of the outcome. How many you know that we don't need to tell God how to do his business? That he's well aware and he's well able to meet our needs, to, meet, to, to answer your petition in, in the right way. Um, and then last week, we talked about the purpose of prayer. Not that it was an, a, a comprehensive list. How many of you ever found strength in prayer? How many ever found direction? Yeah. Found communion with Jesus, healing and cleansing? That's those are some of the purposes of prayer. And let me tell you how what kind of started this whole deal. You okay, no, it occurred to me one time. I was reading Matthew chapter six, and and the disciples said, "Jesus, teach us how to pray." Now, don't you think they already knew the mechanics of prayer? Don't you think they they grew up Jewish? They they understood what prayer meant. So they weren't saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. See, they had been watching Jesus for some time, and here's what, was, here's what was going on. When Jesus prayed, water got turned into wine. Sick people got healed. Thousands of people got fed with a little boy's lunch. Dead people weren't dead anymore. So they weren't saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. They were saying, Lord, teach us how to pray like you. So today... We're going to talk about the posture of prayer. Now, does that mean that you should pray, okay, kneeling, standing, on your face, in your car? That's not what I'm talking about. The word posture means this. Posture is your attitude toward a thing. It's your perspective toward a thing. It's your approach toward a thing. How do we approach God in prayer? How do we approach God when we are uh, bringing him our praise and our petition and our confession, we approach God with this, with impractical faith. Impractical faith. <laughs> See, I believe, and we, we said this in one of our faith sermons, not, you know, I, I don't know how long ago. We defined faith as this, faith is confidence in a God. Who cannot fail. How many believe that God cannot fail? Oh, okay. So he can't fail even if he does something different than you think he ought to do. We we asked last week, aren't you glad God didn't answer your prayer? Every prayer you've ever prayed, just like you asked him to pray it, to to, to answer it. Faith is confidence in God who cannot fail and a God who cannot change. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning he cannot change if he changed he's a liar and then he's not god right. hebrews 11 says and without faith it's really difficult to please god is that what it says without faith it's impossible please god because anyone who comes to him or can we say it like this anyone who approaches him here's what their posture should be they must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him father we just uh, are in awe of your presence it's your breath in our lungs today we didn't create it it's yours it's your breath in our lungs. And I pray that that phrase takes on a whole new meaning over the next few moments. We need you, we desire you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Here's, what, here's what impractical faith is. Impractical faith is faith that doesn't make sense. You okay with that? I'm getting some blank stares, so let me just say this. You, we do things that, are, that don't make sense all the time. Um. anybody ever been on an airplane okay okay so you got on a 250,000 ton piece of metal and let them slingshot you across the country in it does that make sense no it doesn't make sense now it might make sense to some aeronautical engineer that understands lift and wind and all but I don't know how that thing flies but you know what I'll do some other sometime in the future I'll cash in my ticket, and I'll put my happy honey in that, in that plane and go scooting across the, the air. It doesn't make sense. Anybody ever had surgery? That really doesn't make sense. You're going to let a man you don't know cut on you after another man you don't know puts you to sleep. That doesn't make sense. And all I'm trying to say is, and, and there's some of you that are very type A and analytical and logical. Guess what? Everything doesn't have to make sense. Everything doesn't have to make sense. A life of faith is not a life it, It's not a life that lives outside of reason and logic. See, I've always been a very logical person. Anybody else like that? You're a solve for X kind of guy, gal. That's me. I want to I see how it all works on a spreadsheet. And I'm going to tell you the life of faith exists beyond that. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that there's no place for reason and logic and analysis in the life of a believer, because I believe there is. But here's here's what. Here's what people that don't put stock in faith want you to believe, that there might be a place for faith, but reason and intellect and logic, if if faith is here, reason and intellect and logic is here. And see, I, I just choose to believe that the opposite is true. See, I believe that there's a place for reason and intellect and logic and analysis in our life. I believe that it's okay for us to want things to make sense. I just happen to believe that if reason and logic and intellect and analysis is here, that faith is here. See, I don't believe that faith exists outside of reason and logic. I believe that faith isn't the absence of intellect, that faith transcends intellect. Here's what people might, might want you to believe, that that the time for miracles, that the time for supernatural activity is gone. And I'm going to tell you that I've seen too many to doubt them. Let, let me ask you a question. How many of you have act, know that there was a time in your life when God absolutely intervened on your behalf for something? See, so look, look around. See, I, 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 all of those things didn't make sense, did they? Those those provisions that came what, seemingly out of nowhere, that doesn't make sense. I remember being a child, I, was, I had chronic bronchial asthma as a child, and I was 150 miles away from my medicine, had the worst asthma attack I had ever had in my life. I was about 11 years old. I was at my grandmother's house in Pelzer, South Carolina, which is just east of West Pelzer, South Carolina. For those of you who are wondering. I love my grandmother so much, I got out and cut her yard one day, and, and it caused a severe asthma attack, and I literally thought I was dying. Have you ever tried to breathe through a coffee stirrer? That's, I, I was so sick. I, was, I just knew I was dying, and, and, and my medicine was so far away, and, I, and this freaked me out a little bit because I didn't know the Lord at this point. And my grandmother came in, and she got a bottle of oil. I had never heard of anointing oil, never heard of such a thing. But it, how many know when you're desperate, you don't care? And she touched my head and prayed, and prayed, a, prayed in a spirit, a beautiful prayer. And let me tell you something. I had never had an asthma attack that bad and not wound up in the hospital. I woke up just as clear. That doesn't make sense. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are Higher than our ways. Scripture says it like this. 1 Corinthians 2 and 5 says, So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So when we pray, we should have impractical faith. And that's what we're going to talk about. See, sometimes faith just doesn't make sense. Does it make sense that you surrender your life To follow a Jewish carpenter that hasn't been on the earth for over 2,000 years. Doesn't make sense. Does it make sense that you you give up one of your only off days every week to walk in the door and sit here and, and listen to me rant and rave? Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense... That some of you give a significant portion of your income so that the message of the gospel can go forward from Life Point Community Church. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense unless. It doesn't make sense unless you've had an encounter with that Jewish carpenter. It doesn't make sense unless your life has been transformed by giving up your life to follow him. See, those of you that have... Surrendered your life to Jesus? I wonder what it would take for me to talk you out of it. I couldn't, could I? So, let's talk about faith. I I think I mentioned this to you once before. My wife used to sing a song when we were worship leaders at the Loganville Church of God. And And years later, I come to realize that this song was grossly incorrect because here's the statement it made am i wandering am i going back and forth it's too much coffee here's the statement that it made it it said faith is stepping out on nothing and landing on something now that sounds good and it, it was a cool little hook in the song but i need you to hear me Faith in the God of the universe is not stepping on nothing. We don't step out. When when we take a step of faith in our walk with Christ, it's not on a nothing. It's on a firm foundation. It's on the promises of God in His history. Faith has a firm foundation. It's not a nothing. It's a someone. Isn't that true? So we're going to talk about for the next few moments where impractical faith comes from. Where impractical faith comes from. Have you ever had somebody pray for you that had impractical faith? In other words, they're just naive enough to believe that God was going to answer your prayer? Can I tell? I, that's, who, that's who I want praying for me. When when I'm sick, I want somebody praying for me that's just naive enough to believe that God still heals and God still blesses. I want people around me that have impractical faith. Faith that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God heals. It doesn't make sense that God delivers. It's not supposed to make sense. His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If God made sense to you, he'd be a pitiful God. If I could wrap him up in a box and explain him, he wouldn't be very much of a God, would he? If Listen, if Dwayne could explain him. So here's where uh, prat- impractical faith comes from. And I'm just going to tell you, I told them in the prayer room, I'm going to fuss a little bit today, is that all right? I'm really going to fuss a little bit today because I've been talking about this very thing since 1993, since Don and I entered the ministry. And I'm not fussing because I'm mad. I'm fussing because if, if you haven't grasped what we're talking about today, and you will, it'll change your life. Completely change your life. Here's the deal. Number one, impractical faith is a byproduct of biblical literacy. So can you figure out what I'm going to fuss about? Truth of the matter is this: there are more copies of God's Word in existence than than, than any other book that's ever been published. It may be the least read. We put it on our coffee table. We put it on our bookshelf. Somebody saw a Bible that I keep in my car, and they're like, "You keep that for good luck?" No, no, no. Why it's there? Here's what Scripture says of itself. So faith comes, this is Romans 10 and verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you want impractical faith. You want faith that, that's, that's beyond reason and beyond analysis and beyond intellect. You want faith beyond what the, the power of men. <laughs> it's difficult to have faith in someone you don't know. Here's, here's the illustration I share with them in the prayer room. My wife is on her way home from school. And it's a dark, rainy, dreary afternoon. And she breaks down on her way home. Her cell phone's dead. So let's just suppose that someone named Dwayne pulls up beside her, that's not me, And offers her a ride home and says, come get in my car, I'll take you home. How's she going to feel about getting in the car with him? She's probably going to stay right where she's at, isn't she? But if I come by, or John Maxey comes by, or David Weeder comes by, come on, we'll give you a ride. She's going to get out of the car and she's going to get in the car with us, right? You know why? Because she knows us and she trusts us. The reason we might not have faith is because we don't know the person we're talking to. Well, Dwayne, I come to church and I hear it. I, underst- I, I, I even come to growth groups. I, here, here's what I, how many believe that, that Scripture is the breath of God? Here's what I want you to do. When you leave here today, hold your breath. And see if you can get to next Sunday that way. You won't get out of the parking lot, will you? I'm telling you that it, and and listen, you know how I, I, I believe you're in a great church this morning. I believe you hear biblical, accurate teaching. I believe that you hear words from the throne room of the Lord. But listen to me, it's not enough. It's not enough. You are, when you're you're opening that word, you're breathing the breath of God. It says of itself, all scripture, 2 Timothy says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration literally means the breath of God. So let's sing this song a little different. It's your breath in our lungs. Well, how's it get there? See, that's more than a worship chorus. That's a declaration that God's word lives in my life. I'm breathing God's Word because He breathed His breath into my life, into my soul. And the listen to me, man, I, I love it that you're here, and I want you to come every Sunday, and I want you to come every Wednesday night, but it's not enough. Church is important. Small groups are important. Growth groups are important. nothing. Can replace an intimate moment with God with His Word? <laughs> Nothing. What if, married people, wave your hands at me. I know the kids are in the room, so I'm going to be gentle. What if the only connection you had with your spouse was in a group? of hard to be intimate that way isn't it you need another connection with your father besides what you get in this room yes. you need an alone just you and him with your bible open L- listen to me I'm, I'm as facebook as anybody else open your bible mm-hmm. open your U version app i don't care don't, don't rely on a, a devotion on Facebook to feed you week after week after week. Open your Bible. Here's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us God's personality. God teaches us about God's character. We understand that we serve a, a, a holy and righteous and just and fair and good God when we open the pages of God's work. You know what else it teaches us? It teaches who you are. We understand how depraved and lost and undone we are apart from Christ. It teaches us God's character and God's personality. It teaches us about the depravity of man. And it teaches us about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That he reigns above all. I was listening to a song this morning and I, I, I about how to fit. It says, you have no equal. You have no rival. No one, nothing is comes even close to the supremacy of Jesus Christ, yeah. and you know you know how I can say that with conviction and authority, not just because I had an experience, but because i've opened his word and God breathed those words into my life yeah. it's your breath in our lungs, man, I hope you never sing that song with the same way again if 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 you're not and, and I'm, I, I, Y'all know me and I'm not about heaping judgment on you. That's not what I do. And y'all know that. But listen to me. If you're in this room and you're not spending time with your Bible open, it'll change you. Yeah. It'll change the way you approach your prayer life. It'll change how you feel about your church. It'll change how you feel about your family. It'll change how you feel about your job. It'll change every part of your life if you'll take the time to open the book how would you feel if if you wrote a love letter to someone someone that you cared deeply about someone you'd made great sacrifices for and then found out that they never bothered to break the seal on the envelope See, if you don't open the Bible, your conversation with God is awkward because you don't know Him. I call it second date awkward. See, how many of you remember a first date with someone? You you see, you got something to talk about because you don't, you know, where do you go to school? I don't know. Where do you go to school? Tell me about your family, blah, blah, blah. It's the second date that determines whether or not you're going to spend any more time with that person. Because all that preliminary stuff is gone, and now you just got to... See, sometimes if your prayer life is awkward, it's because you don't know who you're talking to. I did a, I did a really odd thing when I first gave my heart to the Lord. I, didn't, I bought a Bible, and I started to read it. And I'm just going to tell you, I was so thirsty for this newfound experience with Christ. I, I noticed something, and I was, y'all have to just forgive me because I was a little, I was very naive about Scripture, and I was very naive about how you do things. And so I, I bought this Bible, and I opened it up, and I started reading in the New Testament. And I started reading about what Jesus did. And then I noticed at the end of a lot of verses, there was this little footnote that pointed back to the Old Testament. And I'm like, I wonder what that's about. And so I I would read something that Jesus did or something that Jesus was and I'd see this little footnote that referenced back to the Old Testament. So I flipped over and I read it and I realized that they were talking about in the Old Testament what he was doing in the New Testament. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And so I started reading all of those things. So you're going to ask me how you can trust the Bible? Let me just give you... Four prophecies in the Old Testament that, that came true in the New. 700 years before Jesus, a prophet told us where he was going to be born, in Bethlehem of Judea. What are the odds of that happening? The same time they told us uh, about 700 years before Jesus was born, that he'd be born of a virgin. A thousand years Now get this, a thousand years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy that he'd die by crucifixion 800 years before the Romans invented it. That's coincidence, isn't it? There's two passages of Scripture, one in Zechariah and one in Matthew. Zechariah told us, that Jesus would betray, be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And if you read the end of the book, the book of Matthew, it wasn't 28, it wasn't 32, 30 pieces of silver. How does that happen? And I told you all that to tell you, you can trust the Bible. And I'll give you a little illustration. Um, uh-oh, I need that. Let's see, Donna, come up here. Benjamin, you'll help me. Elijah will help me. You want to help me? Come on. Let's see. Who else? Who else wants to help me? Come, come on, Stacy. How many out. we got? One, two, three, four, five. Wes, Aaron, come help me. All right. Now, don't do anything with this quarter until I tell you, okay? <laughs> come come, on, come over this way. Y'all, y'all come on in so everybody can see you. Y'all get in the lights. This is what, what we're paying you to come to church today. Okay. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. You ready? When I say one, two, three, flip, I want you to flip your coin Catch it. Reveal it, okay? Okay, okay. if you don't catch it, pick it up off the ground. It's, it's really, all right. When I say flip, flip, catch on your palm, okay, on your hand. You ready? One, two, three, flip. That was pitiful. Okay, okay. Uh, is it on your hand? All right. If you got heads, sit down. Okay, now y'all scoot in together. Let's get in together. Okay, okay, ready? One, two, three, flip. Ready? If you got heads, sit down. All right, here we go. Do it again. What you got? Do it again. What you got? got? Heads, sit down. Keep your quarter. Keep your quarter. The odds that Jesus would have fulfilled those prophecies that we just read about are the same as if someone were to stand here and flip a coin and it come up tails 300 times in a row. Can you trust your Bible? Absolutely. It is the breath of God. It's proven itself over and over and over. It's historically accurate. It's, it's uh, accurate in, in, in literature. All, all of the, uh, the, uh, the literature of antiquity that, that people lean on for wisdom, Socrates and Plato, can I tell you that the Bible, we have much more concrete evidence of the Bible than we do any of those other, uh, the, those literatures of antiquity. It can be trusted. And here's, if if none of that gets it, listen to this. The Bible you can trust because when you do what it says, it works. Look, look, look. Every time. Look again. For everybody. It works. But it only works when it's open. In fact, that Bible that I talked about was called the open Bible. And I remember reading that first paragraph in the introduction, and it said, we wanted to print a Bible that you would open. Because those publishers knew what I'm trying to tell you today. That the Word of God, if you don't apply it to your life, and you don't understand it, and you don't read it, it, well, do I not have a hard time understanding the Bible? Of course you do. That's why there's 10,000 seminaries on the planet. Because we're all still trying to understand it. But guess what? It's true. And if you'll chase it, God will speak those words into your life. How many just know that the Bible is real and it's true and it's worked in your life? All right, let's go on. See, knowing the Bible's not enough. You you gotta know the God of the Bible. see, it'd be cool if you had so much knowledge of the Bible that you could win any Bible trivia game. Do not play Bible trivia with my wife. But, but listen, it, it doesn't mean very much if I'm not an intimately acquainted with the God of the Bible. So impractical faith is a byproduct of biblical di- literacy and it's also a result of a genuine encounter with Jesus. This past Wednesday night, I passed out this sheet of paper that looked like this. And it was it's just a, a, a little two-page deal with Scripture promises. And, and so I just asked those that were, were here with us to just read over and show me one that, you know, just read one to me that just jumps out at your heart. Well, someone looked at Psalm 34 to 18 and they said, they read this and they got into about three words before the tears began to fall. And they said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in their spirit. And they went on to talk about how during a very difficult time in their life, that this passage of scripture brought hope and peace and meaning. And, and I'm not even sure why, but I, I, I just, I asked this question. So what would it take for someone to convince you that that passage wasn't true? And they said, it'd be impossible. And I said that to say this. When the Word of God is intertwined with our prayer life, when the Scripture that we read, can I tell you there are times in my life when I don't know what to pray. And so. I'll start repeating back. The things that God has said in his word. Yes. And there's something powerful that happens then. When, when you begin to. to to talk about the promises of God and the good things that He's promised and the things that He's declared over your life through the pages of His Word. Something in your soul. I I believe that's what Scripture means when we just read, that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. I'm not sure that, that, that faith doesn't grow more from you speaking it than it does from you reading it. You see... If you're here and all you have is a head knowledge of who God is and, and, and a general understanding of what his word says, but it's never made its way into your heart. If you've never had a genuine encounter with Jesus, I, I just, would you just, let me talk to you for just a minute. See, I, I believe that there's something incredible that happens to a man, happens to a woman, when they have that encounter with Christ. See, I, people sometimes will say, "Well, Dwayne, when did you give your heart to the Lord?" And I and I waffle back and forth because it was it was such a process. And, and I want you to understand that that walking with Jesus doesn't doesn't begin and end with a sinner's prayer. Let, let me tell you how it works. It, it, it we commit our lives to Christ, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in. Maybe a difficult situation, and we learn to lean on Him. Maybe there's this woman that that I've fallen madly in love with, and I want God to direct our paths. And so I I asked Him to help me be the husband that He's called me to be. And maybe it looks like I, I, we want to have children, and and it's not working. God, what? And I lean on Him, and and He does a miracle. Maybe it looks like a financial need that we that is so big that we can't see. And I learned to lean on the loving arms of Christ. And over time after time after time, we're praying for direction and we're praying for understanding. And listen, the reason I believe that... I'm I'm struggling for my words, y'all, because I want you to hear from my heart. I, I can't bottle faith for you i had a conversation with a friend one time we were i was sharing my faith with him and he said "Dwayne, there's just part of this i can't get past it's the whole virgin birth thing. i don't i don't i can't i can't get past that and i finally just said well, that's why we call it faith see the truth of the matter is we do believe in a god who can't fail and a god who can't change And and the reason I believe in that is not just because I've read about him. It's because I've had an encounter with him. And that encounter started when I was 14 years old. And there have been so many times, so many times when I've put my hand up and said, not with my lips, but with my heart, you know, God, I don't need you right now. There have been so many times he's pointing me down one direction and I went down another direction. Anybody else done that? There's been so many times, but can I tell you, there's this passage of scripture that says, and he will never leave or forsake. And he, I, 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 it, that's not true to me because I just read it, it's true because he's proven that to me over and over and over again and every time I've failed him, he's never failed me every time I've left him, he's never left me, every time I've forsaken him he's never forsaken me, can I tell you he's a rock, sure and stable, he's a fortress that I can run into he he's a tower that I can lean on he's a name that's above every name there is no equal, there is no rival, his name is Jesus and if you don't know him intimately, please. I'm I, with all that's in me. We talk about faith and we talk about prayer, but at the end of the day, it all starts here. If you don't know Jesus intimately, please don't leave this building today. Why, Dwayne? So you can put our name on a roll? Yes, but not here. <clears throat> And practical faith is a result of a genuine encounter with Jesus. And practical faith becomes alive when you put it into practice. James chapter 2 says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now listen, I, I, know, I know we're all about, we believe in the grace of Christ and the mercy of Christ and that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's, it's, it's a free gift from God, lest any man should boast, Ephesians says. But if you want, you want your faith to come alive in your life, put it to work. You want your faith to come alive Get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You want your faith to come alive? Let me tell you some things you could do. Go hang out with Sean on a Sunday morning. Loving on those children. Go hang out with Lori on Wednesday nights. Loving on those kids that you bring drop drop them off hyped up on Kool-Aid and Oreo cookies. (laughs) Go hang out with Mikey and Trent and Nikki and Justin. Those guys that are loving on teenagers on Wednesday nights. Next time you see somebody crying in Starbucks, pray with them. Share your faith. Invite somebody to church. Put your faith into action. Put some legs on your faith. Show up at Thrive. Uh, at their next event and just help people pick out clothes that you threw away. Watch somebody cry because you, you've, you've helped them keep their pet fed. You want your faith to come alive? Get off your couch. You want your faith to come alive? Get off the pew. You want your faith to come alive? Open your mouth and tell somebody about Jesus. You want to freak somebody out? They they know you come to church. And so they're going to say, yeah, pray for, grab their hand in the middle of the hall. You know what? Nobody's ever done that to them. Wake up tomorrow morning. God, I believe in you. I believe that you've done a work in my life. Help me put legs on my faith today and, and be careful. It's a dangerous prayer. See, man there's nothing that has built my faith more than watching God use it's not abilities that I possess. But watching God bless somebody because you said yes. Not too long ago, Kathy will tell you, these connection cards come in and um, sometimes it's just amazing. Uh, and, And I sit at my desk sometimes and I'm just in awe. And here's all it said. Thank you for providing a place where I can worship freely. Now, That built my faith. That maybe, you know, maybe nine years ago, ten years, how many ever years ago God started dealing with us about life point? Maybe it was for that one right there. Maybe maybe it wasn't for the 10,000. Maybe it was for that one right there. So I'm going to tell you, if you want your faith to come alive, resurrect it. Do something. Do something. What about, I promise you, look look at my eyes right here, every eye is right here. We are not the biggest church in town, but I promise you there's plenty of stuff you need to do. Amen. You can do. Amen. Well, I want to I preach. Well, you know what? God may ask you to wipe a honey before you get up on the pulpit. You want your faith to come alive? Put some legs on it. I've said honey twice in one sermon. All right, let me give you four impractical faith steps, and then we're going to be done. Number one, pray with your Bible open. Have you ever prayed and and didn't know what to say? Or just me. Open your Bible. Pray with your Bible open. Number two, when prayer is difficult, worship. Can I can I tell you if if you're at a place when you're you're trying to. Stimulate your prayer life. And, and you kneel down to pray and, and you don't know what to pray for. Maybe what you're trying to pray for it hurts too much to even articulate it. Have you ever been there? Hey, just start praising the Lord. Just start speaking words of worship. I got two new ones now. When I'm praying, I'm going to say this God, you have no equal, you have no rival. You want to get God's intention? Start bragging on his son. (laughs) Parents, raise your hand. Man, if you were walking by somewhere and they were talking about, man, them Maxi boys are awesome. You're going to turn your ear, aren't you? Man, when some of you guys come up and brag on my kids, man, that gets my attention. And I'm not saying I'm God. I'm not saying, but don't you think if, if we're praying and we, God, thank you for your son that so freely gave us life who loved me when I was yet a sinner. Yeah. He's going to pay attention. So when prayer is difficult, worship. Pray with your Bible open. When God answers your prayer, listen, tell somebody. Revelation tells us, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Man, if if God pays a bill, tell somebody. If, if God healed our hurt, tell somebody. If God brought peace where there was none, tell somebody. And then lastly, make your faith active. Do something. Do something. Donna, come. Bow your heads with me.